you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Habakkuk, Minor Prophet. Find Matthew and just kind of turn back a few chapters, a few uh, books, you'll eventually find Habakkuk. Chapter 2, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can meet together and commune with each other and study your word and sing praises to your name. Lord, I pray that this morning as we as we again look at Habakkuk that these words from uh, so many years ago would be uh, real and present to us even to, even today. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be willing to to hear what your Spirit would would teach us through these words. And we pray that we pray that even even when we are unwilling to hear, that your Spirit would press in upon us. Lord, we believe that your spirit is present and active and moving. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen. Again, turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 11. Shall Shall not all these take up their taunt against him? scoffing and riddles for him, and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not all, or will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by Cutting off many peoples, you have forfeited your life. From the, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Again, Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach us this morning. In Jesus' precious name. And first of all, it's good to be back, right? I always say this whenever we miss a Sunday for whatever reason, snow or heaters not working, vacations or something like that. I always feel I always feel off through the week. So it's good to be back with you. We're picking up uh where we left off two weeks ago in the book of Habakkuk, and we, we're we're jumping into what, what maybe we should call part two of the structure of the book. Unlike 
Romans, which we finished back in, in 2018. Uh, Romans is a letter where Paul and probably his writing partner sat down one afternoon or one morning and wrote the letter out. Now, maybe it's, it's possible that the, the letter to the Romans took maybe two nights, but it's very, very likely that it happened in one kind of fell swoop. It's a, it's a moment. It's a, it's, it's a specific situation and a specific audience and a specific writer for that specific time. It's a moment in time. It encapsulates a moment of Paul's ministry, not the entirety of it. Genesis, a, a more of a story, a narrative is a little bit different. Now we, we, we look at, we look at Genesis and we say, okay, that was probably written, but, but not in a night, but, but written in a continuous, shorter span of time for the purpose of telling that story, the story of the beginning of things, the story of the beginning of the family of God. Now God began to work His means of salvation into human history. Now we can maybe guess it took a month to write that. It's just a total flip-in-the-air guess, right? Nobody has any idea. But, but again, it was for a specific purpose in a specific time condensed. So it's a, it's a moment. The prophets, like we have been talking since through, through Advent, we covered a lot of the, we looked at a lot of minor prophets and we're looking at the minor prophet Habakkuk today in this, in this series This construction of the prophets is different. It occurs over the course of their life in ministry. And so what what most likely has taken place with Habakkuk is that for a number of years, his ministry revolved around chapter 1 and chapter 2 through verse 5. Where he discussed this conversation that he had with God. And it's very likely that over the course of those probably few years in his ministry, he crafted this conversation, this back and forth that we covered for two weeks, two weeks ago. Now, we probably march some time forward in his ministry to a new section. Likely, this section is written closer to when Babylon is at the doors of Jerusalem, about to conquer Judah and about to destroy the city. When the people really need to hear some different kind of message. This section is the woe section of Habakkuk. Has anybody ever, in their normal day-to-day life, outside of quoting the Bible, used the phrase, woe is him? No, probably not. It's not part of our vocabulary. It's not part of our, our worldview. And so we have to think about it just a little. Well, what is, what is a woe? What we'll find in, in the book of Habakkuk and what we find if we, if we compare the woe section of Habakkuk to other places. Jeremiah has a woe to the nations and is a, a number of chapters long. Obadiah is entirely a woe to the nation of Edom. Throughout the prophets, we see this this, this use, this, this thing being used. And here's what it is. It is 
It is from God, an accusation of wrongdoing, and then a statement of the judgment that is to come. So we have, we have the picture, this is what you've done wrong, this is the punishment from it. Almost every single woe in Scripture is aimed toward another nation outside of the people of God. Now, there are a few that are directed at the people of God, but most of them are directed to others. The other thing that we have to take into account is that very often the woes are not coming from the mouth of God, but are coming from the mouth of the people. Now, there are definitely, again, times Jeremiah is a good example where the the woes are coming from the mouth of God, not from Jeremiah or the people. But here in Habakkuk, it's coming from the people. But because we recognize the purpose in the usage of the woes, we always give credit first to God's plan. If you can remember back two weeks ago, when we looked at this second response that God gives to Habakkuk, he says something very pointed that indicates for us what these woes are all about. He says in verse 3 of chapter 2, If it seems slow, wait for it. Well, what the it is that God is talking about in his response to Habakkuk are these woes. What will happen to the people who are wicked when God's timing is right? But as we see here in Habakkuk's presentation of this, while we know this truth is coming from the Lord, it's not coming from his mouth, it's coming from the mouth of the people. We see this in the transition verse in verse 6. The first part of verse 6. It says, Shall not all these take up their taunt against him, scoffing and riddles for him, and say, Whoa. There are three places in the book of Habakkuk that are not poetry. Verse 1 of chapter 1, verse 6 of chapter 2, and verse 1 of chapter 3. These are the transitions. These are the things that our author, likely Habakkuk, is using to tie together these periods of his ministry to make one cohesive thought. So we probably see in the early parts of Habakkuk's ministry this conversation he has with God. And then we probably see later on in the course of his ministry these woes. And then lastly we'll see his prayer. But what Habakkuk does in verse 6a, first part of verse 6, is he ties them together. He says, shall not all these, well who is these? These are the righteous people. Now it's important that when we, when we say the word righteous, we don't, we don't ever assume that what Habakkuk is saying, or what really any author of scripture, unless they're speaking of God, is talking about perfection. It's not, it's not really what righteousness is in scripture. Righteousness is being after God. Righteousness in the New Testament, more pointedly, is a righteousness that has been bestowed upon us by the work of Christ. 
that we are then after. To shout out all these, the people who have felt the oppression, who logically speaking don't deserve the oppression. Right? We remember back to the, the first week, the first thing that Habakkuk says, he's like, look, there are leaders in Israel, I'm going to paraphrase, there are leaders in Israel that are leading the people astray. They're doing bad things. They're harming people and they're not taking care of the orphans and the widows, which is what, right, James says is true religion. It's what it looks like to follow after God to help those who can't help themselves. God says, I'm going to raise up an army. I'm going to raise up this wicked and hasty nation, the Babylonians, to to chastise and judge the people of Israel for their wrongdoing. These people are the people who then Habakkuk says, but wait, they're more wicked than we are. It's these people, hopefully, we can find ourselves in that group, at least in some level, who are going to hurl these woes to the Babylonians. So he transitions us. Now, as we look at these, there are five of them. Today we're looking at two. Next week we're going to look at three. Originally I was going to go a little bit slower, but decided against it. You can thank me later. There are three, there are five woes, two today, and the two today have a similar theme. There's a similar sin that's happening. As we look at this, we we need to remind ourselves again and again and again that this is first from the voice of God, and then from our own voice. And as we think about it from our own voice, or as we think about it maybe better from the voice of God, we have to remember one very simple truth. We listen very well when somebody else is being scolded. Right? Who in here is not the oldest? Right? Either second born or the youngest. I'm the youngest. I have two older brothers and an older sister. My older sister, sometimes she picked up me, but my brothers were merciless. And there was very few things in life that were more satisfying than hearing my brothers get scolded by mom. You listen intently when you hear somebody else being, getting in trouble. But what we should do when we listen intently to somebody else getting in trouble is we should, we should really warn ourselves. I said when we started this series that the book of Habakkuk speaks today powerfully. Mostly because of this section. So we should take care to listen, listen closely. Now, I'm going to say at the onset, that's not the point. The point is hope. But let us not forget to listen closely. As a secondary example, the book of Habakkuk is written as a woe, or not the book of Habakkuk, excuse me, Obadiah, is written as a, a woe against the nation of Edom. Edom is not the people of God. Edom is the brother nation to Israel. Edom is the descendants of Esau. Israel is the descendants of Jacob. Jacob and Esau are brothers. So they're a brother nation. 
And Obadiah, or God, through Obadiah, scolds the people of Edom for not coming to the aid of Israel when Assyria is coming to attack. Now, Edom will eventually be destroyed by the Babylonians, actually, which is what's, what the woe is about in, in Obadiah. But it's not really for the people of Edom. Yeah, the people of Edom, I'm sure, heard it. But it's for the people of Judah. Because they did the exact same thing. They, they, closer in relation to the northern kingdom of Israel, failed to come to the aid of Israel because they said, you guys, this is what you deserve. And so what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to hear this chastisement towards Edom and they were supposed to pay attention. We should pay attention. Like I said, there are two that we're going to cover today. We look at the first part. First one here in second part of chapter, verse six it says, Woe to him who heaps up what is not what is not his own. For how long, he says, he loads himself with pledges. This is the accusation. This is the sin that was committed by the people of Babylon. This one's easy. It's easy to recognize. It's theft. You're a conquering nation in the, in, the, in the ancient world. What did you do? You went from your home and you went across the world and you conquered and you killed and you took what wasn't yours and you said, this is now mine. Theft. It's easy, right? We don't, we don't do that, do we? We don't take what, what isn't ours. It also says that it loads, they loaded up pledges. What, what are pledges? A pledge, especially for Babylon, a pledge was when they took your stuff, and then they said, but we're not going to just let you die. So they went through, and they, they, they showed their swords, and they showed their, their chariots, and they said, we're going we're gonna to kill you if you resist. And most people went, okay, we won't resist much. Clearly you're going to beat us. And they said, okay, this stuff is now ours. Okay. Your sheep are now, are now ours. Your land is now ours. Your possessions, they're now ours. You can keep the clothes on your back, but everything else is ours. And they went, well, if it's all yours, what are we going to do? To, how are we going to survive? They said, okay, well, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. We'll lend you your sheep back. Our sheep to you. We'll lend you our sheep to you. Right. And so they did. But with collateral, your clothes become collateral. Maybe your house becomes collateral. If you don't pay up, if you don't pay what's due, we're going to take it from you. So we took your stuff, we lent it back, and then we said, oh, you didn't pay in time, and then we took it again and the rest of your stuff. Well, we don't do that, right? Perhaps not to the same extreme, but don't we? Don't we, don't we find ways? Don't we find ways to, dare I say, cheat the system? With friends, with family, loved ones, in our businesses? No, we wouldn't be. Didn't Jesus say, be as crafty as a serpent? Isn't that where it stops? Have to be as gentle as a dove, I think. So often we justify the things that we're doing. Well, it's, 